can turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22, going to be looking at verses 39 through 46 this morning. While you're turning there, Dorcas, thank you. Thank you for sharing with us the good news of the gospel that our Redeemer lives. Uh, and for the work that God is doing through Union Rescue Mission, we will certainly be in prayer for those things, uh, especially as you try to replace Michelle. I know that she has done a lot there, so we will be in prayer for that. So we're looking at Luke chapter 22, verses starting at verse 39 this morning. Hear now the word of the Lord. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. You may be seated. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and honoring in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen. Well, last week, my family and I were out in Branson. It was our first time that we were able to go there. Uh, we've been here three years now, and this was our first trip to Branson. Uh, it was the off-season, so there was not a whole lot going on there. I hear when you drive the strip in Branson, if you can go five miles an hour, that's fast. Well, there weren't that many people there uh, while we were there, so we were able to go the speed limit down the strip there. Um, but since there wasn't a whole lot going on in Branson, we didn't take in any of the shows or anything like that. Uh, we did get to go to the Butterfly Palace, and our kids really enjoyed seeing all the butterflies there. Uh, but one of the things we did do, uh, we did enjoy some hiking. Our family likes to do hiking, so uh, we explored one of the trails there. That was a good time. Um, but one of the, the things we also really enjoy uh, is Star Wars. <laughs> So because other shows weren't happening, we took in a 3D version of the latest Star Wars movie. Uh, yes, we have already seen it one time, but we wanted to see it again. Uh, Stephanie's dad and stepmother were with us. They hadn't seen it. So we got to see the 3D version of Star Wars while we were there. And um, one of the things that is paramount to these Star Wars movie is this concept of the Force. You know, this the Force uh, may the force be with you. Uh, as the Jedi learn to use this force, they learn how to manipulate people and objects, get people to do what they want them to do. Uh, they can grab a lightsaber without even being next to it, uh, things like that. Uh, as we look at this concept of 
prayer this morning, and Jesus' prayer in the garden in particular, uh, one of the things I believe is that I often treat prayer like the force. And I get it, um, this idea in my head that if I just use it properly, then I can manipulate God and other people around me to do what I desire. And so as we look at prayer this morning, Jesus' prayer in particular, we'll see how prayer is not like the force at all. That prayer is born out of a relationship that we have with God. In fact, what we'll see is that prayer is actually born out of love. And so that's why one of the, the, the title this morning for our sermon is Love and Prayer in the Garden. Um, I'll be honest, uh, prayer is something that's difficult for me to preach on because prayer is something that is actually difficult in my life. And uh, I just feel like I need to be honest with you with that. Uh, one of the things that you have called me to do as your pastor is to preach the word and to pray. And prayer is a daily struggle for me. Um, so as I was looking through this passage this week, um, it was convicting, but it was also very encouraging to me uh, because I realized some things in my life that as we go through this this morning uh, will bring to light. So the goal of this morning as we look at this concept of prayer uh, the goal is not to give you guys tips and techniques of how to have a better prayer life, uh, things that you can do. Um, what we're going to do this morning is to, to understand what prayer really is and to let our relationship with God drive us to prayer. Our relationship with God, the, the fact that we love Him and that He loves us, drive us to our knees in prayer. Uh, because prayer is something that I do struggle with, uh, I've kind of committed this year to read books on prayer from great authors. Uh, I've got a, a big stack in my bookcase at home. I pulled out all my books on prayer, and I'm starting to go through those. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm reading a book by uh, an author by the name of Tim Keller. I don't know if you guys have heard of him or anything like that. Um, he may be pretty, uh, pretty famous in the PCA circles. Uh, but he has a book aptly named Prayer, and uh, I've started with that one and I'm going through that right now. Uh, the way that he defines prayer is he sees prayer as a personal conversation with God that is born out of a response to him for what he has done for us. It's this personal conversation that is a result of the relationship that we have with him. And so we're going to explore that a little bit this morning. So first of all, where are we? We are in the last week of Jesus' life here on earth. Uh, we've been going through the book of Luke. We've finally come to his last week. And right now we are on Thursday evening. He has celebrated the Passover with his disciples. Uh, he has instituted the Lord's Supper he has told Peter that Peter is going to deny him before the rooster crows. He gives this interesting discussion about swords and picking up the sword that Steve tackled last week. Thank you for doing that, Steve. I appreciate that. I give the difficult passages to Steve so that he can do that for us. Um, and now here we are. They leave the upper room and they are heading off to the garden, to the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, the Garden of Gethsemane is on the Mount of Olives. It's basically this grove of olive trees. Um, if you go there today, you will still see the olive trees that are there. 
Uh, they can get rather old. I don't know if any of them are still from the time of Christ. I doubt that. But uh, it is this very peaceful place on the Mount of Olives that Jesus and his disciples are familiar with. And so this is where they go. Jesus goes there so that he can pray. And he tells his disciples, pray that you may not fall into temptation. Jesus then goes a little further. Some of the Gospels say that he takes uh, his disciples with him, James, uh, John, and Peter. Um, and he goes a little further, and then he goes off by himself, and he spends time with his Lord, with his Father, in prayer. And the reason that Jesus prays is because he knows what's about to happen in his life. He knows that in just a few moments, Judas is going to come, that he's going to be betrayed, he's going to be arrested, and he's going to suffer, and to suffer and die on the cross. So before that happens, he wants and he desires to go to his Father. So let's look at this prayer that Jesus prays here in Luke 2, or 22, verse 42. He says, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And you know, that prayer is a simple enough prayer. It's just, uh, just a couple of words, uh, two statements there. But we have no idea the agony, the anguish, the emotions that Jesus is experiencing when he's saying these statements. And then we see God's answer to his prayer. And God's answer is to send an angel to comfort him, to strengthen him in his time of need. And then Jesus responds to that angel with even more intense prayer. And Luke records that Jesus' sweat was like drops of blood because of the agony that he was experiencing. So what does this prayer of Jesus teach us about prayer? Well, the prayer that Jesus uh, prays here is a prayer that is born out of a loving relationship that he has with his Father in heaven. And this relationship totally affects the way that Jesus prays. And God the Father responds to his son's prayer by giving his son exactly what is best for him, according to his will. So first and foremost, this prayer of Jesus is born out of love. Jesus loved the Father and Jesus knew that his Father loved him. So how do we know that God the Father loved God the Son? How did Jesus know that? Well, in Luke 3.22, during Jesus' baptism, there's a voice that comes from heaven. It says, a Holy, The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Later in Jesus' life on the Mount of Transfiguration, when he's there with Peter and James and John and Elijah and Moses show up, they hear another voice out of the cloud, and it says, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Later on, um, in Jesus' high priestly prayer that he prays in John 17, he says these words, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given to me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know you who have sent me. 
So before the creation of the world, before the creation of the world, Jesus, the Son, and his Father have this intimate, loving relationship with one another. And because he loved his Father and his Father loved him, it totally affected the way that Jesus prayed. The love that Jesus and his Father shared allowed Jesus to be completely vulnerable with his Father in heaven. Because this prayer that Jesus prays is actually pretty incredible. He says, Father, if it is possible, remove this cup from me. Now we know that the Father and the Son, before the creation of the world, were in a loving relationship with one another. And we also know that before the creation of the world, they had this plan, this will, that Jesus would be sent to die for the sins of the people that weren't even created yet. This was always the plan of God. And yet when it came down to it, we're at the 11th hour here. Jesus knows what is about to happen. He says, Father, if there is any other way, if there is any other way for this plan to be accomplished, please do it. He's saying, Father, I don't want to go through with this. This is going to be hard. If there is any other way, please do it. He is being completely vulnerable with his Father in heaven. And Jesus makes this request knowing full well what the answer is going to be. He knows that God the Father is going to say, no, there's no other way. We have to go through with this. This is the plan. But Jesus knew that his Father loved him and that his Father wouldn't be angry or exasperated with him. Jesus knew he wasn't going to get a harsh response from God the Father saying, Son, you know that can't happen. Why would you say such a thing? Why would you ask such a thing of me? Parents, you know how it is when your son or daughter asks you for something which they already know the answer. No, you can't have your dessert before dinner. Of course not. Uh, No, you can't watch a movie. You just woke up. We have to get ready and we go to school. We get exasperated over those, those questions where we already know the answer. Uh, But God the Father did not. He responded with compassion and with mercy to his Son. So the love that Jesus had and the love that Jesus and the Father shared between one another, it led to this incredibly intimate relationship that they shared in which Jesus can be completely honest, completely vulnerable with his Father in heaven, knowing that God would react with tenderness and compassion even if the answer was no. And loving and knowing that he was loved allowed Jesus to pray in such a way that he would desire his Father's will. So Jesus was able to tell his Father this. He says, Jesus basically says, God, I want this cup removed. That is my desire. But I know that you don't want to do that. And because I know you, I know you're going to go ahead with the plan. And I'm okay with that because I love you and I know that you love me. This wouldn't be the plan unless this was absolutely 
necessary. You know, how could Jesus pray this prayer, not my will but yours be done, knowing what was about to happen to him in the next 24 hours? The reason he could do it was because he knew the love that his father had for him. He could say, Father, if this is what you desire, then that is what I want to have happen. And we know that this was the will of the Father. Earlier in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 10, this very famous chapter on the suffering servant, Isaiah the prophet writes, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. And Jesus knew this. He knew that this was the will of the Father, was that he would be crushed. Because Jesus loved his Father, he tells his Father what is honestly on his heart, but he concludes by saying, even though I feel this way, I ultimately want what you want. I can't imagine how hard it would be to pray those words. And the only way that he can really pray this prayer is if he has a truly deep and intimate relationship with a loving Father in heaven. So how does God respond to this prayer born out of love? God responds by giving Jesus exactly what he needs. And it wasn't removing the cup from him. He didn't do that. In fact, it was the will to crush him. What he does is he sends an angel to strengthen him. He sends an angel to encourage him to give him strength for what is about to happen. And after that angel comes, Jesus prays, prays with even more fervor, even more agony. And I believe that the reason why he prays more fervently and more in agony, because with that strength that he receives from the angel, he realizes how great of a relationship he has with his Father in heaven. He realizes how much love that he has for his Father in heaven. And he realizes how much his Father loves him. And in just a few moments, what's going to happen is that instead of having that love poured out on him, he's going to receive the wrath of God poured out on him. And that just causes such deep agony for Jesus. That this relationship is going to be severed to the point where he was going to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so Jesus' sweat becomes like drops of blood falling to the ground. But God gives his son exactly what he needs, exactly what he needs it. So in the end, Jesus' time of prayer with his Father in heaven leaves him strengthened and encouraged for what lies ahead of him. Because following his prayer, Jesus gets up, he comes back to his disciples. His disciples are doing what we would be doing if we were in the garden. They were asleep because of sorrow. Um, But he calls them to get up. And what we know happens next is that Jesus faces Judas. He faces his betrayer. He faces his arrest, this mockery of a trial that he has before the Sanhedrin. Uh, He goes before Pilate, and eventually he is crucified. But because of his time of prayer with his Father in heaven, he is able to endure what is about to happen to him. So, 
How does this prayer of Jesus then inform us in the ways that we pray? I think we have a lot of questions to ask ourselves this morning. First of all, is this the type of relationship that we have with our Father in heaven? This relationship that Jesus shares with God, uh, with God his Father, is this the type of a relationship that we have? Do we have an incredibly intimate relationship with God the Father in which we can be completely honest, completely vulnerable with him because we know that we love him and that he loves us? Is that the type of relationship we have? Do we have the confidence in prayer that God will provide for us exactly what we need, exactly when we need it, even if it's not what we want, but it's His will? Are we able to pray with that confidence? So first of all, Jesus knew the love that His Father had for Him. Do we know the love that God has for us? Well, Scripture tells us of this love that God has for us. And when we forget, which is often, we need to be reminded by the words of Scripture, this love that God has for us. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6-9, through 9, Moses, as they're about to enter into the promised land, reminds the people of Israel the love, uh, of the love of God that he has for them. He says, For you are a chosen people, holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and he chose you for you were the fewest of peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery. It's because he loved them that he did this. You know, in our call to confession this morning, we read from 1 John 4, verse 10. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a propitiation for our sins. Romans 5, verse 8. But God showed His love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 3 says, See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. We're children of God, and He loves us. So, so if prayer is a personal conversation between us and God that is born out of a response to what God has done for us, we need to let God's Word speak for us. We need to be reminded of His love and respond to Him in love. So what I'm learning about prayer is that when I pray, I need to have my Bible open in front of me. Because if prayer is a conversation with God, I need to be hearing from Him. Not only hearing that He loves me, um, hearing His conviction of me, of my sin. Um, prayer is a two-way conversation. It's not, um, I don't know what I would call a, a tombstone talk, where we're standing in a graveyard talking to our loved ones. Uh, my grandfather died when I was in Kenya uh, during college, and uh, I never got to go to his funeral. And uh, one of the things that I did when I got back was, was go to his grave and to catch him up. And those are hard because that's a one-sided conversation. They can't hear you. Um, but prayer is not like that. 
Prayer is not one-sided. Prayer is a two-way conversation where we're hearing from God through his word and we're praying back to him. We need to allow the knowledge of the love of God to affect our prayers. And we need to allow that to, to make us vulnerable before him. You know, David, when he prayed, he prayed some astounding things. If you look at Psalm, chapter, uh, Psalm 13, he starts off by saying, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? He knew that God never forgot him. He knew that God could always see him, that God was always with him. But that's how he felt. And so he was vulnerable before his God in heaven because he knew that his Father loved him. I pray that we could share that same vulnerability in our relationship with God. Maybe one of the reasons why we find it hard to be vulnerable in prayer to our loving Father is that we haven't had the experience of being vulnerable with our fathers here on earth. I know sometimes we struggle with that. No earthly father is perfect, but we have a father in heaven who is absolutely perfect, who we can share with us. Uh, We can share with him our trials and our struggles, exactly what is going on in our lives. And then as Jesus prayed, we should also pray God's will above our own. We know that God won't give us always what we ask, but in his compassion, he will give us what is best for us. And we know that. We know that theologically. And we need to pray according to what is his will, according to what will bring him the most glory. Because we know that he loves us, and what his will for us in our lives is always going to be best. So our goal this morning as we look at this prayer of Jesus, um, as I said, it's not tips and techniques on how to pray. I hope that we can see the love that God had for Jesus, this intimate relationship that they shared with one another, and allow that to inform our prayer life, to realize that that love that God had for his son Jesus is also the love that he has for us, his sons and daughters, that we are by faith in Christ. So I pray that we would have a new understanding of what prayer is, that we would see it as this outpouring of love in our lives, that we would see it in terms of a a two-way relationship with God, that he is speaking to us through his word, and that we are responding in prayer to him. Because God is a personal God. He is not like the force that can be used and manipulated. Uh, Instead, He is a person, and we enjoy a relationship with Him. And prayer is a response to what He has done. So let's conclude with this. Let's conclude with the gospel. So how are we even able to enter into a relationship with God? We say that prayer is a relationship. Well, we broke that relationship in the garden. We broke that relationship in the garden of Eden when we sinned against God through Adam. But God sent his Son, our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died 
for us. The only reason that we can even have a relationship with God, our Father, is because what Christ has done for us. The fact that he endured the garden, the agony of that, that he was betrayed, that he was put on trial, that he was crucified for our sins. And this is the good news of the gospel. That we are sinners, that we hated God and we loved our sin, but when we were sinners and enemies of God, God sent his son to die for us. So instead of being his enemies, now God calls us his children. And because we are his children, we can have a deep and intimate, loving relationship with God, our Father in heaven, which leads us to prayer. So let us pray. Our most gracious God and our Father in heaven, my prayer is that we would know you in a deep and an intimate way. That we would know that the love that you have poured out for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. That we would know deeply that you love us. And Father, I pray that we would love you. Lord, draw us into prayer. Lord, if we have guilt when it comes to our prayer life, I pray that we would lay our guilt down before you. If we have shame in regards to our prayer life, of our relationship with you, we know that you have taken our shame and that you have nailed it to the cross. Lord, I pray that we would just come humbly and honestly to you, knowing that you are a gracious and a merciful and a compassionate Father in heaven. Lord, I pray that you would remind us of this great love, this love that our Lord and Savior has for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.